And this morning as we prepare, I'm going to give you one guess as to where we're going to be. Give it a shot. The Bible. (laughs) Yes, you can turn to Matthew chapter 5. And as you do so, you are going to get inundated. I hope you're hearing these words over and over and over. Shine, light, darkness. And as we explore and as we look at what Jesus has asked, and not just asked of us, He's given us a prescription for health spiritually. He's given us a prescription for health spiritually. And so, today we start on a series to help explain and help us gravitate and help galvanize within us this theme for this year. I truly believe it will be transformational. Not just for our church. It's not a theme for the sake of of making some profound uh, magnetic uh, uh, proclamation. This is a theme that's going to work backwards. It's going to work within you. It's going to work within you that if you grasp it, you hold on to it and, and practice it, you're going to start seeing things change in your life away from here. But see, the end result of that is when we come together, you're going to see some of that transformation just leak all over each other, which is good, which is real good. So let's pray and ask the Lord to guide our time this morning. Father, this is your time. This is for you to share with us, to explain to us, to encourage and lift us up. I pray today that Your Spirit speaks to the hearts beyond what I can possibly know, but that you help this fool somehow communicate the precious truths of life-changing words. Speak to us today, God. To you be the glory. Amen. Well, have you ever been to an event? Any kind of event. A quasi-large event. A semi-large event, a small event, any kind of an event. Anybody been to an event recently? Raise your hand. Ari, what'd you go to? Oh, she's like, what? Oh, no. He has never called on me in 10 years. She's not coming back to this event anymore, I'll tell you that much. Church, there you go. Nicely done. You get door number two. Okay, uh, now nobody's going to raise their hands, right? Like, I'm not going to, he's going to call on me if I'm going to. So I remember some events that I've been to, and uh, they're pretty spectacular. How many of you guys went to, like, the big Star Wars movie, right? And, and so I was, one person admits it, come on, you guys are, thank you, because I've seen your posts when you dressed up for it, okay? <laughs> I've seen you nerds, you Star Wars nerds. You know, something like that is an event, it's not just a movie. Uh, and I always like to go to opening night late, because that's when all the, well, as we, we have a theological term for that freaks. That's when all the freaks come out and they dress up and they'll yell during the middle of the movie. And I've gone to a movie like that and then I've gone and seen that movie later, like four weeks when it's been out and it is the most boring movie in the world. It was the most exciting. And so there's something about events. And this is where we start today. Our theme is discipleship, turn on the lights. And next week, hopefully, my hope is that my Amazon order comes in and you're going to see these bulbs hanging on both sides. And the 
purpose behind that is that we desire to turn on those lights. This graphic behind you represents Christ, the light of Christ in us. And it's the idea of discipleship. See, you have one lit bulb here. And hopefully we've got a few lit bulbs in the audience today. Alright, and and we're going to have a lot of fun with that statement all year long, I promise you. But the idea for us is as we have the light of Christ, how about we share that and it turns on some other lights. And as you come to me, as you share with me how your light, how that focus of discipleship has reached out to others that are living in darkness, and you, through you, Christ has shared His light, and suddenly their light goes on, and you start discipling that person, you come to me and you share me, share with me that, and we screw in a bulb. We screw in a bulb and you get to see what God does through this church. Now, at the end of the year, we're going to have a New Year's Eve service to pray in the year. And my goal, my, what I feel God's telling us to do is, the only light we'll have in this room that night when we're praying in the new year are those bulbs. That'll be extremely powerful. But here's what we've got to grasp. And I can, I can hear the air sucking out of the room. Because we know that God chooses to use you. And that's one of our points today. So back to these events. You know, we, we've had events that have changed millions of people's lives. Anybody here ever do a Billy Graham crusade? Do you know that through the Billy Graham crusade, more than 3.2 million lights have been turned on? More than 3.2 million lights! And I can share with you unequivocally everyone I know that has gone to a Billy Graham crusade that came to know the Lord, they went because it was an event. Because somebody said these words to them. Hey, why don't you just come and see what it's like? Why don't you just come and see what it's like? And I know sometimes when we talk about events, we think program, we think that's a lot of work. That's... We're going to talk about this. This is one aspect. And we're going to look at how Jesus set this. We now have uh, what's called Harvest Crusades in America through Greg Laurie and Greg Laurie's church. They had an event in 2012. Just one year, they had an event that then they broadcast throughout churches all over America. Do you know that that broadcast was seen by 429,000 people at one time and over 33,000 professions of faith? 33,000 lights went on by their own profession because of that event. Amazing. I remember when Janine and I were transitioning out of youth ministry and we were looking for what the next stage was for us. And if you're in the ministry, the thing that you do when you don't know what you're going to do is you start looking at Texas. Because they do a lot of church down in Texas, y'all. And so I was looking at one particular church that just struck me. It was so exciting. And here was their promo. Here's what they wanted everybody out there to know on their website. Because when you went to their website, this video ran automatically. It's not like you had a choice. It ran automatically. And it's just one guy. Just one college-age guy. He says, hi, my name is... I don't remember, but let's just say, my name is Bruce. And I've been at TFS or whatever church for three years. Let me introduce you to Dwayne and to Mike. I discipled them. Now the next part of the video is they go to Dwayne. And Dwayne says, Hi, my name is Dwayne. I came to church because of, of Bruce. Let me introduce you to Sam 
and Gerald. I'm making up all these names, but you get the point. And that was their video. And it went on and on and on. I kid you not, in 30 seconds, I was able to see over 500 people that the light got turned on because of this, because of discipleship. Folks, we can have events, and they're great events. And my point today is that Jesus used events. Jesus used events for come and see. It's the first aspect of discipleship. So, do you have to put on a crusade? Is that how you're going to turn on Well, I don't know. Maybe this is our mini crusade this morning. Right? But we're going to explore this, and we're going to talk about how we deal with this. Let me share with you briefly some power of uh, how that works. Um, just kind of something to chew on with this idea of discipleship. Jesus was on to something. When He returned to the Father, His work continued. You see, when I ceased to exist as a pastor here, and uh, we were talking amongst our merriment uh, yesterday, and, and uh, I let Bob know that I want to be known as Banner Boy. When you look around this church, you know, you see all these banners. Um, that's what they're going to know me as when, when they... Assess all the different pastors throughout the years. I'll be known as Banner Boy. But you know, when you're gone, what's going to be your legacy? And so Jesus had a plan. And it was discipleship. Jesus was on to something. If you do a comparison of the traditional evangelists and discipleship that Jesus modeled, the results would look something like this. In 16 years, with the evangelists leading 365 people to Christ each year, that's pretty good. That's one a day, right? Except in a leap year. There should be 5,840 people new in the family of God. That light has been turned on. With the discipleship method, if you were to disciple two people, who then in turn the next year disciple two other people, each of you would have 65,536 people new in the family of God. Isn't that amazing? And we wonder... Why secularism is ruling America. We wonder why the morals of Christ are absent within our nation. We don't have to wonder. It's because the church has stopped applying this. We've come to dog and pony shows. You know, Carly and her sister. Now I've been avoiding this. I do this all the time. Carly, what's your sister's name? Thank you, Holly, Holly. Now see, I can stop referring to them as the worship team. I'll say, Carly and Holly come over and, and they do this incredible thing. That If I knew that they were playing anywhere in this valley coming up over this next week or two weeks, I would go and I would watch. And if I knew that I was preaching anywhere in this valley next week, I would come and watch. Amen. <laughs> Sorry, David, I just wanted to see what would happen there. <laughs> that was for free. Okay. Because that's what we've propagated. That's what guys like me have sold you. Come and sit and do nothing. And this is your spirituality. This is why our nation's a wreck. This is why Western Europe's a wreck. But this is not why Africa is blossoming. South America is blossoming. Asia is blossoming. They get it. They get it. Because they don't have the dog and pony show, folks. So we're, by the way, we're not saying that I'm the dog, they're the ponies, okay? I'm just saying that, that what we will try to do here has purpose and intentionality to lead you to the cross and to the throne and give you an experience of worship. And that's great. That's, what we will, that's why we exist on Sunday mornings. 
But we're a church that Christ has said, shine your light so that men may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Amen? So, a famous atheist once said, I can stand all the arguing of a Christian apologist, but I have a little servant who is a disciple of Jesus Christ. And her good, pure, honest, truthful life staggers me sometimes. The one irresistible argument for the gospel's power is a regenerated, consecrated life which is a demonstration of the life of Christ. The world may miss seeing the life of God in nature, but they cannot miss seeing it in the lives of those men and women who have been transformed by the life of Christ. What a wonderful thought to know that we as human beings can, come be, can become the carriers of life and light of God and our lives can become reflectors of His life. So let's dive in with all that inspiration. Let's dive in this morning. I love the tambourine stuck on his foot. Boy, there's an illustration there if ever there was, right? Just take that idea that that tambourine always there and clunk, clunk, clunk and think of yourself with the light of Christ walking around so it's so obvious, right? So this morning we're going to break it down. Discipleship, come and see. And you have a breakout uh, chart in your bulletin by Bill Hall. I take all of this from Bill Hall's discipleship model. He takes it from the ministry of Jesus Christ. I love that. Let's not mess, let's not tinker, let's not man-size this thing. Let's just look at what Christ did. So here's our scripture, here's our theme scripture, and we've seen it over and over. And so we're going to start with this, Jesus' pattern of discipleship. And take the handout, take it home with you, you can refer to it, but break out those sermon notes and we're going to get into it this morning. Turn to, if you will, in your Bibles to John chapter 15. And so John chapter 15, verses 7 through 8, I I prayed in context to this earlier today. I talked about Jesus trying to tell his disciples that that they still will have him in their life through the Holy Spirit. And listen to this and see if the comparisons of Matthew 5 with John 15 ring true for you. And we'll break that down right after we we read from the passage. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Let's look at the four main characteristics of a lit bulb. Before we get to that, since, you know, saying words like lit bulb is just kind of fun, right? I mean, how many of us have heard those jokes about lit bulbs? So I thought rather than be haters, I would just pick on us today with a, with a little bit of a joke uh, about, about religious people talking about screwing in a light bulb. Since we're talking about screwing in light bulbs, let's see what this looks like within the church. So how many Christians does it take to screw in a light bulb? Well, if they're charismatic, only one hand's already in the air. All right? Pentecostal, it takes ten. One to change the bulb and nine to pray against the spirit of darkness. There you go. This is really going to help me understand what your acumen of religion is this morning. Presbyterians, none. Lights will go on and off at predestined times. Roman Catholic, none. Candles only. Baptist, at least 15. One to change the light bulb, three committees to approve the change and decide who brings the potato salad and fried chicken. Episcopalians, 
takes three Episcopalians, one to call the electrician, one to mix the drinks, and one to talk about how much better the old one was. <laughs> Methodist, undetermined. Whether your light is bright, dull, or completely out, you are loved. You can be a light bulb, turnip bulb, or a tulip bulb. Church-wide lighting services is planned for Sunday. Bring bulb of your choice and a covered dish. Nazarene, six. One, I don't get this one. Maybe any former Nazarenes can tell me. One woman to replace the bulb while five men review church lighting policy. I, I don't know. That's, that's pretty brutal. Um, give a little caveat on that, that we're free church, okay? So you're free to change any bulbs you want. Uh, and then uh, Lutherans, we, we don't want to leave out any Lutherans, okay? We've got a few in the audience. None. Lutherans don't believe in change. Oh, we have many more Lutherans in here than I thought we did. <laughs> and then to finish out, Amish, what's a light bulb? <laughs> All right. Just a little fun when we're talking about lit bulbs today. The four main characteristics of a lit bulb. Number one, you've got to have current. Okay? You've got to have current. And when we're talking about this passage out of John 15, he says, If you abide in me and I abide in you, ask whatever you want and it will be granted. He's talking about being infused and energized with the light and life of Christ. So if you want to be a lit bulb, you've got to have current. And that current is Jesus Christ. Second, compliance. Compliance is a very industrial word. All right, all of our engineers love the word compliance. Uh, it, it's pretty simple, I think, if I understand it correctly. It just means uh, to follow protocols, you know, to, to, to be in line with the status quo or the instructions, right? To obey. So compliance, when it comes to being lit by the power of Jesus Christ, is that Christ's words remain in you. If we're going to be infused with the light and life of Christ, then His words have to what? They have to remain in us. We can't allow things to short-circuit that current. All right? And in order to do that, we have to be in, in compliance. Third, we have to create. There has to be creation. Christ in you creates light or fruit. Right? That by abiding with Christ, it generates the fruit or the other metaphor or illustration is light and then the last one today is credit and we see it here in john 15 we see it in matthew 5 16 that the whole purpose behind this shining of a light or bearing fruit that it, it's what it's that glory goes to whom it goes to god christ receives the glory for the fruit of your light so when Christ is the one that's involved here, when we talk about the four main characteristics of a lit bulb, when we look at Jesus' pattern of discipleship, when Jesus spoke, when He would have an event on the Sea of Galilee, when He would have an event at the, at the temple steps, He was always talking about the Father. He was not talking about politics. He wasn't talking, but He infused Himself into the everyday lives of people that needed hope. They were walking in darkness. And the message that He brought was light. And guess what? It was an event. So that people came and see you. Remember Zacchaeus, don't you? Think about Zacchaeus. Jesus wasn't, he was just passing by. He wasn't stopping. There was no like poster billboard saying, hey, Jesus is here today, one o'clock. He's going to heal 14 people. Right? He's going to make you taller, Zacchaeus. There was nothing like that. It was just he was passing through town. And Zacchaeus was so excited that he what? He had to come and see Jesus. What happened? You see, if Zacchaeus had never come to see Jesus, 
And Jesus just walking through town was an event enough. Jesus never would have said, Hey, Zacchaeus, get down. We're going to go to your house. We're going to go to your house. We're going to have some one-on-one discipleship, Zacchaeus. Look at the pattern of Jesus when it comes to discipleship. So come and see. The model of Jesus' pattern, or patter, there you go, his patter, his picture patter of discipleship. Sigilerts. Sigilerts? What's that got to do with anything? What, do you know what a sigilert is? Yeah, sigilerts when the freeway shut down for, for some purpose or point. There's some interesting things that I found on the internet uh, when it comes to um, something that happened on I-64. It was a miraculous Christmas moment. It was a Christmas miracle for one girl. But it caused a sig alert. Everything stopped. And don't you hate that? When, when you're traveling and you've got to get somewhere and traffic slows to a crawl, and when you get to this point where you see what's going on, and it's on the other side of the road, and you're like, why does everybody stop? That just cost me a half hour, and i got to go to the bathroom, and the kid's got to go to the bathroom, the dog's got to go to the bathroom, Right? So this, this poor family, a truck carrying sacks of flour was overturned on the I-64 ramp as it exits onto the I-65. It spilled, this was December 3rd, 2013. It spilled its load onto the highway below. And the high winds that blew east-south-east served to spread the snowy white holiday cheer. Several lanes of traffic were affected and the visibility was limited. They were in a whiteout. And there was no weather whatsoever other than wind and flour. Traffic was snarled for roughly two hours after the mishap. But the children in the cars who badgered their parents over gifts were mercifully distracted by the sight. One girl with tears in her eyes told us that she prayed nightly for a white Christmas. She was astounded that her prayers were answered even though temperatures were close to 60 degrees. What a great story, right? But it's not so great when you're sitting there and you're saying, why am I stuck? And you want to know why, don't you? You know, when it comes to come and see, we need some sig alerts. We need something that is noticeable. We need noticeable events so that people are engaging with the light of Christ. Let's look at what that looks like. Well, here we do the Thanksgiving dinner. Um, These are just some examples. We have our creasters. Thank you, Gary. So you're like, what is a creaster? This is another one of your... Th- yes, it is a big theological term. It's for those people that only come on Christmas and Easter. Okay? So that's why you do these big Christmas programs and you do these big Easter programs. Because you know that there's some people that will... They'll get over their guilt if they go to church twice a year. If you're one of them today, we'll have counseling afterwards. Um, we have Lifetime. We have concerts. We have Our kids are at Hume Lake today. So we have some big events. What are some other things that we do? Well, Sunday mornings, just like this, right? This is one of our events. But it's not for being an event. We're here to worship. We're here to exalt. And hopefully it becomes an event. Amen? We have life groups. We have inside out. Um, Well, what about you? Because sometimes we can do it here. But remember, I told you that... And and read the bottom of, of every slide here. What does it say? The real power of the church isn't from the pulpit... It's from the response to the pulpit. And when I say the pulpit, I'm not speaking about me, am I? I'm speaking about God speaking here. 
But the real power of the church is some, you know, we can do events and there's some power in that. Hopefully God's in that. We want that to be the case. But I will tell you the best success that I've seen when it comes to discipleship is you opening up your home. You have a family game night, invite your neighbors, invite some friends. Gives you the perfect opportunity to shine your light. I loved our Christmas program. And the Bardenhagen family sitting over here with such peace and tranquility. And it was just a beautiful moment, second service, to watch the handling of Christmas in the Bardenhagen home. And you know what? It was great to see Bobby in the midst of a trying circumstance call his family and the rest of us to sing Silent Night in the midst of chaos. He let his light shine. And those that were here will always remember that. And I have a video, so if you haven't seen it, just talk to me later. So come and see. You know, we need sig alerts. We need noticeable events. Just like Christ, as He walked through, as He would speak, as He would heal people, there were events that He was drawing people to. It's about lighting the darkness, not the light. I'm going to ask Damien to do something here in, in just a second. A lot of times the church is really good at spreading light here. When we talk about discipleship, much of the time we'll talk about discipling each other, which is great. But folks, that's equipping. And by the way, that kind of discipleship's easy and safe for the most part. But what we're talking about when we say discipleship is appealing to what we have up here on the screen or on the walls. Go into all the world and preach the good news and make what? What did Jesus say? Go make disciples. And you've heard some of the stories that I've shared with you about the reality. And some of you are getting really nervous. Why is this guy walking by me? Who is he? What booby trap is he setting for me? Well, I want you to notice something. You see, sometimes, actually all the time, it's about lighting the darkness, not the light. And look at that cross. Isn't that fantastic? That was a beautiful cross. This back screen used to hang over that cross. And that was one of the first things we did is we said, we don't ever want that cross covered. We want people to see the cross and the impact of the cross. But you know, what you're looking at can have much more power. And to the point I'm bringing, Damien, go ahead. Did you have a clue that light existed? Now, some of you, yeah, I've been here for a long time. I know that light's on there. But you see, you couldn't see it when it was saturated with other light. Sometimes we get so saturated. You can bring it back up, Damien. Sometimes we get so saturated with light that we just kind of lose interest. It's kind of blasé. It's not noticeable. We take the light of Christ into the darkness. Folks, It's noticeable. It's noticeable. Well, let's look at the next point this morning. Come and see the model of Jesus' patter, patter, pitter, patter of discipleship. See, that's noticeable, right? I could have just written pattern and then you just would have glossed over it. Now you'll always remember it. Our pastor can't type. That's what you'll remember. Shine, be noticeable. We, our last song today was talking about shine. It was titled Shine, right? Be noticeable. The call. Let's turn to John. And let's see this. John 1, if you will. Verses 35 through the end of the chapter. 
It says the next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples and looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. And if you read through the rest, it's... it's Basically a calling to people that had never met Christ. They have an encounter. They see something different. They see something noticeable. And Jesus gives them those words. He says, come and see. And they respond. They respond because there's something behind who He is that they want. There's something noticeable. So, if you're going to shine, you also need to be noticeable And it starts with the call. Be out there, be in the darkness, so that when you pass on by, somebody takes notice and asks you who you are, what's behind what you do, and then you say, come and see. Come and see. Master, where are you staying? Then next is the change. Share with others what Jesus is doing. You know, that's a natural part of discipleship and engagement. Is that when people see what's noticeable about your life, sometimes we as believers, we just stop. We hide our light. Right? Instead, it's all about Jesus. Why don't we proclaim how Jesus transformed us? Why don't we share? And folks, we'll get into that in the next point. That we've got to have that infusion of light. We've got to have that current going currently. Or or ongoing. So that there is something noticeable. So that there is something different. So there's something to talk about. There's something to refer to Christ about. We need to share what Jesus is doing. Mark chapter 5, if you will. You can turn there, and this is going to be part of the life groups, um, so you guys will be going through it. And I'm just going to briefly refer to it. This was interesting. Jesus is in the Gerasenes. He's on the other side. He's on the uh, eastern side of the Sea of Galilee. It's a Gentile area, and it says this, as recorded uh, by Mark. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. Stop. Told what? You see, Jesus has healed a demon-possessed man. Have you ever seen a person that is mentally ill? And you know that they're, they, they're in certain parts of our city, and you maybe get a little nervous about even going to that part of the city because you're worried about having an encounter. I know people that are that way on both ends. You see, where this man hung out, people didn't want to go. People didn't want to be anywhere around him. And so when... Mark says this, it says, The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. There was an event. The person that scared this tribe, that scared these peoples, that was running rampant, they had great fear of Him. And it had been a prolonged fear. And suddenly He was healed. What was the result? The herdsmen ran and told people what had happened. That is noticeable. That is shining, and that is change. Change perpetuates questions of come and see. Now here's what's fascinating. What's it say? And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man. There it is again. You see, when you have an event that's, that's backed, that's energized from Christ, people want to come and see it. And folks, the darker things get here in America, the more that the church can shine, the more that that happens, the more they're going to see Jesus and you're going to see change. 
And you, many of you know what happens in the rest of the story, and you can read through it. And, and he wasn't real popular, because what happens is he casts the demons into the pigs. And the pigs do what? They run over the cliff. And they did what? They chased Jesus out. They didn't want to have anything to do with him. You're saying, Pastor, that story doesn't end very good. I don't want to get chased out of town. Ah, but look at what happens. It's not so much about that. Because again, darkness hates light. Darkness hates light. Thank you for that, yes. So what happens to the demon-possessed man? Of course he wants to be around the one that healed him. And so pick it up in verse 18. And he was getting into the boat. The man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. By the way, that's our third point under Bill Hull's discipleship model. Come and be with me. That he might be with him. And he, being Christ, did not permit him, being the formerly demon-possessed man, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has shown mercy on you. Do you see God's intent for his people? As he does a work in you, he wants you to go home. He doesn't want you to just stick in the light. He has given you change, has he not? And so take that into the darkness and share because it will be through that that there is notice and change will come for those moving from darkness into light. Next, the challenge. We will either choose to shine or to shrink. And Hebrews 10.38 speaks about this. And this is, folks, this is not pulling punches. It just isn't. It's the reality. We have a choice as to how we're going to respond to this and what we're going to do with this. And I encourage you on your own time, look back and, and, and see other, read the context around this because there's much more behind it. But the writer quotes a passage out of the Old Testament and he says, starting in verse 38, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure with him or in him. But in verse 39, he reminds us who we are when it comes to sharing the light of Christ, even when it's difficult, even when it's hard for the formerly demon-possessed man to go back. It's not what he would prefer, but it's what Christ would ask. Remember that word compliance. If we're going to shine our light, we have to be compliant with the one who gives us the energy. And so in verse 39, he says this, but we are not of those who what? Who shrink back. And are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. We have a choice. We have a choice when it comes to shrinking or shining. What will we do? Come and see the model of Jesus' pattern of discipleship. The sabermetrics of come and see. How many of you are like into sports? It's all about sabermetrics right now, right? That, you know. Your war rating in baseball, and people are like, war? What's baseball? It's just a sport. Let's go calm down a little bit. But you know, guys are given contracts, millions of dollars, based off of their sabermetrics. And so, what are the sabermetrics of come and see? In other words, what are the measurable objectives and the reality and the data of come and see when it comes to discipleship? Well, let's look at it. First question. You see, sabermetrics measures. So let's do that this morning with us. Why would people follow you? Why would people follow you? You know, I'll share with you that most pastors feel that struggle every day they get up in the pulpit. Or every day that they 
wrestle with leading a congregation or making a decision, why would people follow this? You know the best answer for any pastor on that? Is just follow Jesus. Because they're not really trying to follow you. And you'll crash and burn. So point them to Jesus. Amen? So now you see how what I did there, right? Picked on myself. But you get the point, right? Do you see stickiness? You know what stickiness is? It's this idea of, hey, why don't you come and see? And so somebody shows up for the tambourine solo. And they're like, that was really good. I thought that was awesome. But they're like, I'm more of a trombone person, you know? So I'm not coming back. Folks, we use our abilities and we do certain things just because we emphasize points of ministry that that may or may not meet everybody's personal flavors. But if we put Jesus into it, that's what shines. That's what shines. That's the difference maker. And so when it comes to this idea of stickiness, if you make it about Jesus, you're going to see some stickiness. We've got to stop, and I'm going to speak to those under 40 right now. We've got to stop with this whole thing of, what you going to do for me? Are you going to entertain me enough? Is it going to be good enough? Is it going to meet my needs? You see, a team can't run that way, if that's how we think. And the millennial idea is all about how I feel about it. The whole millennial concept is so narcissistic and me-centered, it's nauseating. And there's going to be a huge blowback that's going to come if you buy into this millennial thing. Gary's upset about millennials. (laughs) It's great. I'm out of a job. But we need to check ourselves. You see, when it comes to saber metrics, and when the church is doing something, or when you have opportunity to share with somebody instead of serve yourself, the question is, why do you choose or not to choose? Hebrews 10. Check yourself. And what are you involved in? What are you not involved in? We have to stop saying, what do I get out of it? Instead of light a fire in me, Jesus. And I will take that to those around me at all costs. Then you're going to see something noticeable. Then you're going to see stickiness. Investment. Are you investing for the short term or the long term? You see, events like Billy Graham's you know, crusades or harvest, those are short term events and that's okay. As a matter of fact, that's awesome because you've heard about how many people came to the Lord through that. And there's a lot of people, I actually just read an article on it last night as I was preparing that this guy talked about the worthiness of something like that because how many people then see an actual change in their lives? My question to that person who wants to be critical is, then you need to be critical of Jesus because Jesus preached to thousands, hundreds of thousands, and he moved on. All right? So it's in Jesus' hands. And it's Jesus who said, narrow is the gate. All right? So there's great investment for the short term, but my encouragement to you is discipleship is about investment in the long term. 
And you'll hear at the end of this month about go. Go and remain in me. Make it about Jesus. Make both investments about Jesus. In closing this morning, let me, let me review. How do I start? This is the meat. This is what you do. This is where you go. This wasn't just some great, uh, great sermon with some interactive uh, meat in the middle of it and a few jokes about lit bulbs. This was a primer. This was to inspire us to do something. So let's look at it. Number one, how do I start? Well, we talked about it. Current. You've got to start with the current. Is Christ abiding in you? If He's not, call an electrician. Alright? Do something about it. My toilet broke and I thought I'd fix it. You're all laughing on the inside. I can fix a toilet. I just choose not to. Actually, I chose to try, and when I went to Ace Hardware, there was like 14 different, you know, those things. And um, I chose the wrong one, and after that, I was like, forget it. Bruce, come over, look at the toilet. And then he said, yeah, I've, I've repaired this thing like three times. You just need a new toilet. I said, okay, I'll do it. You don't need to be We still don't have a toilet. This is a week later. So, you know, my wife and I had a great discussion about this, and she said, Could you just call the electrician or the plumber, please? Folks, if we need to work on the current in our life, call the electrician. Call someone who you see who's lit. And say, disciple me. Show me how you do this. Because I want to be that. Next, compliance. Don't shrink back. Find darkness and bring light. You saw the illustration of the cross. Find darkness and bring light. This past week... We, 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 we uh, uh, let Steve use our uh, expedition for the trip, and the expedition was filled with stuff going to Goodwill. And I'm thinking about, you know, having to preach this sermon. I'm taking all this stuff to Goodwill, and I had two very nice jackets, one with a hood, one that would keep you very warm fleece jacket, and the other one was just a big, uh, uh, it was my old coaching jacket for in winter. And I thought about it. I could just drop that off in Goodwill and feel really good about myself. I'm helping so many people here. No, I'm getting junk out of my house. That's how I feel good. And instead, I held back on those two jackets. And then I just started praying, Lord, I'm gonna just going to start driving. And you show me somebody who needs a jacket. I went 10 yards down the road, made a right. And there's a guy uh, looking for recyclables in a trash can. And I drove up to him and I said, do you need a jacket? And he said something back to me in Spanish. And so I said, uh, como talez-vous? Because I had three years of French. And uh, somewhere in there, the Holy Spirit worked and he ended up with a nice Timberline uh, fleece red jacket and was very excited. And he said something in Spanish. I have no idea. But that's up to the Lord. Then I didn't even get out of that parking lot and the Lord showed me five guys that are huddled in the corner. And I just asked, does anybody need a jacket? And uh, two guys come up, and this guy's got a huge jacket on with a hood. He goes, yeah, I need a jacket. And I said, I don't think you need a jacket, bro. And he's like, no, man, I need a jacket. And this other guy comes up, and he's going to lose his house this week. And he's going to be on the streets with those other guys. And he's got a t-shirt. It was about 42 degrees out. And this guy's standing here saying, I need a jacket. And he's got a a full fleece line, full hooded jacket on and I, I looked at uh, I looked at him and I said you know do you really think do you really think that being selfish like that is the right thing to do 
Or do you think that this guy next to you really needs a jacket? The end of that story is both of them ask me, why are you doing this? Okay? And that was just two dumb jackets. Do we have jackets? Do we have 15 minutes to just drive around and ask the Holy Spirit to show somebody need? Do we have friends that are in desperate need that we can share light with? Yeah, we do. We do. Don't shrink back. Create. Disciples are made from energy and not complacency. So what will you do with this? Disciples are made from energy and not complacency. Lastly, credit. Let's turn the lights on starting next week. Come to me next week. Tell me this week. Email me. Text me. Call me. Let me know. Because you are out there shining your light, you shared Christ with somebody and that light went on within somebody and you're starting to disciple them. My hope is that my order comes in and those lights are hanging next week and let's start turning lights on. Amen? Amen. Let me close in prayer. And uh, Sorry, Carly, you're off for the, the closing song. Did we have a closing song? See? I'm hanging with, the, with what we said we would do. Good. And this morning as we close and as we prepare for our week, I just want to encourage you, if you're struggling with anything, please call the office, email me. Let me know how we can serve you, how we can encourage you. We pray over your prayer requests. Um, we try to come alongside people. At the annual meeting, you're going to hear some, some ways that this church does reach out and, and cares for people. So please stick around for lunch. And, uh, but go get your kids. Um, stick around for lunch and, and hear um, what God has done in our church and where we're going as a church this coming year. And, uh, and then we'll vote on the budget as well. Let me close in prayer over the offering as well. Father God, it is to Your glory, it is through You that we have been given grace upon grace and mercy upon mercy. We ask, Lord, that You give us insight, You give us passion, You give us desire that we will take the light into the darkness. That there will be something noticeable about us. And that we will take that moment to share about the change within us. Lord, take our gifts that we're bringing today, multiply them for Your use and to Your glory, God. To You be the glory. Amen.